Here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Well, here we are back with our number three on a Thursday. Yes. Yes, we are back on a, on a Thursday. Well, maybe I'll just jump in here. Why not? I've been on the phone, okay. and I've got uh, Cheryl from CF Design. Well, Cheryl, I was so glad that you were coming on with us again today. We had the first opportunity to talk to Cheryl Fosdick, who owns excuse me, CF Design and also Loom, uh, I, Loom Studio, which is a... Uh, a, a beautiful, the, from what I can see, Cheryl, the pictures that I've seen online, just a gorgeous lighting concept studio. Um, yes. Talk a little bit more about Loom and what you, uh, what your idea, what your concept idea was there. Sure, sure. Well, as you know, we have an, I have an architectural firm too, and, and we've noticed over the years that there was a bit of bankruptcy going on at the uh, ends of the projects because uh, people would cut lighting out or they would substitute lighting for other types of lighting. And, and we think of light when, when we start drawing a project at, in the very beginning of the design process. And so we like to carry the idea of what light is doing in a project all the way through to the end. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, the end of the project comes and people want to save a few dollars. And one of the first things that gets sliced is, is lighting. So uh, what better thing to do here than to put a parlor in front of our new office our new architectural office, and uh, call it a lighting studio and and, uh, show people what it really means to uh, value what light can do for you. So we put our money where our mouth is, I guess. (laughs) Well, yeah, and and your your location is right on, very easy to to find. You're kind of right down on Superior Street across from, uh, what's the big hotel motel there across the street? Yeah, the Sheraton, the Sheraton, yeah. It's in condos on the upper five floors and a hotel down below. So, there yeah, you go. and we're there's a new apartment building starting now. I think it's going to be done in about 16, 18 months. So, and I am looking at the new Essentia building. So, we do have a lot of foot traffic here, and we've noticed uh, even at this time of year, we have a lot of out of town visitors that uh, that stop by, uh, probably because we're keeping them up at night with all of our light coming out of the windows across the street. But when people come to town for weddings and whatever, they stop, which is wonderful. It's got to be. It's got to be unique because, from what I can see from the pictures, you've got uh, design lighting that is unlike anything that you'd find if you walk into your local, uh, uh, you know, whatever store uh, Menard, you know you happen Menard's to be going in Menards or any of those. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Exactly. yeah, totally well, different have, concept. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we have several several different companies that we represent here, and uh, four of them are Italian, and uh, of course they're the they're the um, most important lighting people because they're the glass blowers from historic times. And then we have two from Spain and we've got one from the Netherlands and uh, a few from the States. So one of which is actually in Minneapolis, a glass blowing company called Hennepin made, uh, which is a wow. really lovely company. So in Minnesota here, we're actually doing, doing some fine design in terms of lighting. So everything here is LED also uh, light emitting diodes, which is uh, a very energy efficient uh, way of, uh, of putting light into a room, uh, about one-seventeenth the cost uh, of running a regular light bulb. So, sure. Yeah. Well, I thought I thought I would read this uh, because I found this in your on your website. I thought it was rather unique when it talked about what a home is. A home is an opportunity to express values, point of view, desire, land, and environment, ritual, traditions, and innovation. In short, 
homes embody our lifetime and legacies. Good design is a result of meaningful process. And that's kind of what you do, isn't it? You sit down and say to a new buyer, somebody that's building a new home, you know, what what do you like to, what do you want to create with this home? And then you kind of work with them to do that. Yeah. That's exactly right. Well, it's a story. It's storytelling, is what it is, and we're we're all storytellers that are artists. But uh, we have a particular way of doing this, and it's um, you know part of the thinking process is that you event eventually people will see this place. They'll they'll visit you there, or maybe you'll pass it on to your children, or your community will see it. And so there's there's a, a lot of a house that represents you, who you are, what your values are, what your cultural interests are. What type of art do you like? You know, all, all sorts of things that that are emitted uh, from a from a building. And so, when we sit down and try to design something for a person very specifically, um, it, it's a legacy piece. It's something that lives beyond beyond the person and uh, informs people that you may never have even met before about who you are and uh, what how you think and and what you care about. So, it's very important that uh, we engage our clients. There are some. Some firms would prefer, you know, to just uh, get a list of rooms and things like that to put together, and they do a very competent job of putting putting nice houses together. But if the house doesn't speak directly to an owner or, or you know, a client, um, it's 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 really not special. It's really not at all special. And and we have the same conversation with the site that we have with our client. We look at the site, sure. say what's missing from the site, what what should we add if we add something, what, what's being taken away. Um, we try to, you know, vest the house with uh, all sorts of uh, important information about people and place. So, Cheryl, is it is it right to say that you not only do you help design and uh, create a, a home for somebody, but you'll do reconstruction of building sites, mm-hmm. of uh, commercial sites, yep. uh, a, yep. a business wants to come in and they want to create their own design. You'll you'll work with them on that as well, right? Sure, we do commercial some commercial interiors. We don't do a lot of larger commercial projects because we've been pretty uh, busy with most of the residential projects that we do. But we will consult on on any level actually. And part of the the interesting thing about being up here is that every site that we go to is very very unique. I started I cut my teeth in the Twin Cities, and it's a little bit difficult to find unique property down in the cities but here uh even one side of the lake and the other are entirely different so it's a it's a fun challenge and um there are lots of people who are um you know they just have no idea where to even start so we start with the site and we have a lot of fun all right well uh let me ask you then what is the best number if somebody's listening today and they want to sit down talk to you about a home uh, is it the two one eight three four three zero nine eight three number? That is the best number. That's my cell number, and I always have my phone with me, so that's the most likely one that I will pick up. Um, we have another number, which is two one eight seven two two one zero six zero, which is the office number, and you'll have a a choice of people to speak with when you uh, call in, and uh, you can also email, which is which is great. So that's just Cheryl C H E R Y L at cfdesignltd.com or loom, L-U-M, studio.us. Outstanding. I look forward to talking to you again very soon, but I think, folks, if you go to these sites, if you go to their design site, you are going to see some very uh, unique, beautiful uh, designs that have been done by Cheryl Fosdick and her firm. So thank you, Cheryl. Talk to you again very soon. 
Thank you so much. All right. CF Design. Well, Kenny, what's the latest on the uh, happenings in uh, Duluth with our uh, Commander-in-Chief's visit today? Yeah, he's uh, live on local TV. Uh, Spectrum One channel has him on, uh, local TV stations, uh, Northern News Now and the others. But uh, he's talking in Superior, talking about the bridge, and now he's morphed into drinking water and uh, what have you. And um, I guess it's going to be hard for me to listen to this and try to talk to you but uh yeah no i know when he mentioned that this new bridge is going to have a pedestrian and bike pathway uh there were a lot of cheers from not a lot but there were people from the crowd yay Woo! <laughs> yeah we got the bikers and the walkers around here that <laughs> so love he's that in stuff. superior live he's still talking so you can expect him to be there for a while and uh, the traffic headaches uh will occur for i would think a couple more hours so Stay tuned. They don't have them up on a platform, do they? I mean, we're not going to have to worry about uh, any trips or anything. He's on level ground someplace, I hope. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to listen to him here, and it's just tough. But uh, Okay. Yeah. Well, yesterday, I, I should throw this in. Yesterday was his first campaign rally, and he did it in Virginia. And uh, what do you suppose he talked about in Virginia yesterday? Any idea? The the prez, yeah. Um, did he say? Because he, he say, wasn't there pushing his infrastructure at all. Oh, no. I thought maybe he said this. We have this notion that somehow if you're poor, you cannot do it. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. <laughs> no, no, he didn't talk about that. But he did oh. talk a great deal about abortion. Oh, yeah, you know the self the self professed Catholic president Joe Biden is leveraging. The uh, un- death of unborn to drive his second uh, presidential uh, campaign. He uh, he had Camilla on stage with him, of course, uh, uh, right there. And he was in his uh, first campaign rally in Virginia. He talked in great length about uh, uh, the Supreme Court justices who ultimately helped to overturn Roe versus Wade. And we need to get Roe versus Wade back in place. But, you know, here in Minnesota, it hasn't made any difference at all. In fact, I think Minnesota has come in uh, stronger in support of abortion rights here in Minnesota than it ever was before. So it's only some individual states that are maybe a little bit stronger conservative, a little stronger uh, down in the Bible Belt area, for example, that have said, uh, yeah, we really don't like uh, killing of unborn children and we're going to make some rules and regulations. But in most cases... Abortion has not been a, a, a an issue at all, but he did say in Virginia, let there be no mistake, the person most responsible for taking away this freedom in America is Donald Trump. Donald, Donald Trump evidently took away abortion rights. Anyway, that's, uh, that's what he said yesterday. Oh, by the way, just as a sidelight to this whole thing, uh, to the abortion rally yesterday that... Uh, Joe Biden had in Virginia. A new report has come out uh, from a survey that was done by the Knights of Columbus Maris poll on abortion that was released before the 2024 March for Life conducted, uh, you know, a week or so ago, January 8th and 9th, I think it took place. Uh, Well, that was when the poll took place. And it was 1,371 adults that were polled 
and they asked the question specifically, um, would you continue to agree with abortion? Do you strongly support, support, oppose, or strongly oppose abortion because the child will be born with Down syndrome? Very dicey question. Well, it turned out that 56% of Democrats say they support such abortion, while only 42% oppose it. So in other words, if you do a, a test early on in the pregnancy and it find out that your child will more than likely be born with Down syndrome, 56% of Democrats said they would go along with the uh, abortion anyway. Republicans, not so much. 75% and independents, 58% are overwhelmingly against the practice in contrast to their Democratic counterparts 24% of Republicans and 39% of independents think babies with Down syndrome should be killed by abortion rather than being born. So Democrats overwhelmingly, almost two to one over Republicans, uh, think that uh, just because the child might be born with Down syndrome, and I'll tell you what, I've had a number of friends and close acquaintances that have had Down syndrome children, and they are the they're just wonderful individuals, so uh, just just fun-loving, happy-go-lucky, um, you know, just happy to be alive. And the average, turns out that the average Down syndrome child currently lives to about the age of 60 years old. Used to be the feeling was that, uh, you, you know, Down syndrome children don't live very long anyway. But they do. Now, because of a recent study by Cleveland Cliffs, noted that the life expectancy for a person diagnosed with Down syndrome is 60 or older currently. Nearly all expected mothers chose to take the test. This was a study that was done in Denmark. Uh, Denmark supports abortion of babies with Down syndromes. Uh, they, they call it eugenics movement in Denmark. Um, they they required or asked mothers if they would like to take the the test to see whether their child was going to have Down syndrome, and almost every one of them said yes. Those that got a Down syndrome diagnosis, more than 95% chose to abort, the Atlantic reported in 2020. So, you know, it's unfortunate, but if you're, if a, if a test was done, at least in Denmark and in this country, if you happen to be a Democrat, you believe more than 50% that it's acceptable to rid yourself of that child if the potential is there that they have Down syndrome. Anyway, we're, uh, we're moving in on a point here where we got to, we've got to go to our first break pretty quick, but we have PERS. Prez is live in Superior, Wisconsin. The local TV station channel, uh, Spectrum Channel 1, is covering it as well, but all the local channels are covering it as well as, as uh, for sure. So uh, we're going to see uh, that on all the local news tonight, which should be it. Now, a question for you. Is the mayor of Duluth over in Superior welcoming him? I hope he is. Well, I, I, I think don't know. he should be. I don't know. Uh, he's speaking now. I'm still monitoring, and now he's leaning towards the mic, and uh, it's hard to listen to Joe. It really is. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. politics aside, it's just 
Oh, there he's screaming. Oh, he's yelling. Oh, he's, go- oh, he's oh, boy. got the angry look. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, now he's talking about prescription drug prices. I hope somebody's oh. watching this and counting how many times he mentions A, Trump, or B, the previous administration. Yes, because it will be often and it will be always be an. Oh, he has episode. a mean scowl on his face, Brad. Ooh, oh, boy. he looks like the Wicked Witch <laughs> of the East. He must be talking about or the that West. Mean Trumper winning in New Hampshire oh, and winning in Iowa. He looks like. Oh my goodness! You know what he looks like? What? I am Oz, the great and powerful. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he had a well, scowl you know what, and a look uh, on his face. It was yeah. scary looking. Yeah, he's getting angry. Turn off his mic. He's going to blow a gasket. He's angry, you and he's what? surrounded by beer in Wisconsin. Oh, heavens. <laughs> Get him over to Sutherland. Get him a can of chill. There you go. Chill Gosh. him out. Oh, no, you don't want to do that with him. No, no, no. <laughs> No, you don't want to do that with, with the press. Anyway, when we come back after we we got to do our first break here. Yes. And when we come back, I do want to talk a little bit more uh, about uh, this ongoing uh, att- attempt. He, the Democrats are now coming forward. They know that there is a problem at the southern border. And they're attempting to do something, but they don't want to do much. And so we'll have a little discussion when we come back about this a bill, this bipartisan bill that is out there that looks like now it has been uh, kind of stymied by McConnell and the Senate uh, senators uh, on the Senate side. So we'll talk more about that when we come back. KDAL time is one thirty-one. I guess I'm trying. Okay, the uh, news channels have uh, pulled away from the uh, president in Superior, and now they're just talking about some of the things he mentioned. So we'll get some of those details. We'll try to share some of that maybe to okay. our uh, Facebook page, both KDAL and our SoundOff page as well, uh, some of the things the president talked about. Yeah. Now, I wouldn't imagine he'd be sticking around long once he gets his uh, his statements made, right? I mean... Um, have they been to the Blotnick Bridge? Um, I don't know, so I, I guess I don't know. Um, I don't really have a lot of... Uh, uh, resources here to see stuff as far as cams are concerned, but I'll do what so I can. So we we still don't know whether he came across the Blotnik. He came across the he came across the Blotnik. He did. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. Yep. Well, listen. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of what's going on with this uh, attempt to try to come up with some. I I think what the Democrats uh, and Joe Joe Biden's presidential campaign. Uh, are finally understanding is that all the polling that has been done indicates that the number one issue in this year's election is going to be the illegal immigration that is pouring across our southern border. And because of that, uh, Chuck Schumer has gotten together with some of the Republican uh, uh, you know, senators and tried to come up with a bill, which they originally thought a couple days ago might might possibly have some legs. But the latest information this morning that I have indicates this. Republican Senate leader Mitch McConnell is reportedly backing away from his pro-migration border bill 
amid a mutiny by multiple GOP senators. McConnell told a closed meeting of Senate Republicans Wednesday afternoon that the politics of the border has flipped for Republicans and cast doubt on linking Ukraine and the border. McConnell, uh, according to the report, McConnell referred to Donald Trump as the nominee and, uh, you know, it's foregone conclusion, evidently, that he will be, and noted the former president wants to run his 2024 campaign centered on immigration. And the GOP leader said, we don't want to do anything to undermine him. This is McConnell, McConnell speaking now, who's, by the way, not been the, you know, Donald Trump's biggest fan or whatever, but, you know, The Hill, with a publication for politics out of Washington, The Hill reported, I think the border portion is dead, said one Republican senator who cited McConnell's remarks to the GOP conference at the Wednesday meeting. The lawmaker said that McConnell told GOP senators, this has gotten to be a lot more politically difficult than we thought it would be. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Uh, McConnell's shift came after a group of seven GOP senators used a a Wednesday press conference to slam his focus on protecting the Ukrainians' borders and not ours. This, uh, This inclusion of mainstream GOP senators from the negotiations. Uh, that was another thing that has really started to upset the uh, the GOP senators is that they've been excluded from the negotiation. This bill, this is a statement from uh, McConnell now. He says, this bill cannot move if 41 of us say we're not going to take it. Exclusion by McConnell, said Senator Mike Lee, a Republican from Utah. I'm asking my colleagues to hold 41 votes to ensure the deal is blocked. The problem is our leader, McConnell, is really the stage manager of this negotiation, said our former guest numerous times on this station, Senator Ron Johnson from the great state of Wisconsin. McConnell's goal is not to protect America's borders, but to protect Ukrainian borders, said Senator Eric Schmidt. That's really what this is all about. Before suggesting that the Senate hold separate votes on Ukraine funding and border reforms separately. So McConnell's border bill will be blocked by the House GOP leaders, but that that didn't seem to bother Democrats. In fact, they a lot of Democrats, according to the Hill this morning, said that the Democrats are using the doomed process to blame the GOP for President Joe Biden's unpopular uh, migration disaster, said, tenet, said uh, Senator Ted Cruz, also a previous guest on this show. Uh, the only purpose of taking this up is giving Democrats political cover in the 2024 campaign says uh, says uh, says Senator Ted Cruz. He says, gosh, we would have secured the border, but those pesky House Republicans didn't let us do it. That's what they hope to say. So he says, uh, we've got to be very, Cruz added, it's not designed to secure the border, and it won't secure the border, and that's why leadership wants it kept secret. 
And he talked about the fact that this is going to be another one of those massive bills that's going to come in at the last hour, and uh, and then they're going to expect uh, senators to vote on it, even though they haven't had a chance to look on it. Uh, this bill, uh, Cruz went on to say, normalizes 5,000 people a day coming across the border. 5,000 people a day is over 1.8 million a year. That's called an invasion. Why would you set the threshold at 1,000 migrants rather than 4,000 or 5,000, said Johnson. Johnson described how GOP senators in their weekly meeting asked McCarthy's chief negotiator, Senator uh, James Stafford, about the draft bill. When Senator Langford was asked, what is the goal of this? The answer wasn't to secure the border. It was just to give the next president the tools he needs to secure the border. Well, that wasn't our expectations. So this legislation seems to be falling apart at this point, and it doesn't appear like it's uh, going to get some legs because a lot of the uh, GOP senators are already backing away from uh, signing on to the bill. McConnell is hiding the text of the bill to prevent GOP opposition, the GOP senator said. We've got to take our CBS News break, and then we'll be back with more. KDAL time, 141, will bring down that loud rock and roll music from that first Bachman-Turner Overdrive album. Love Uh, that. 33 degrees in the Twin Ports. We're above freezing, barely. We're overcast. We're drizzly. We're foggy. We're all the above. And uh, Joe Biden in town uh, making his pitch as oil is rising, the crude oil is up over $77 a barrel. Oh, boy. Uh-huh. Here we go with the gas pumps again. Yeah. I'm afraid that's going to happen. Just when it finally starts settling down a little bit, they yeah. got this happening. That's yeah. uh, that's not good. So, you know, not only does uh, President Joe Biden have some issues at the border, but he's got a lot of other issues that are going to cause him some trouble in his reelection campaign. I'll give you, for instance, the other day, Kenny, you mentioned that uh, at the city council agenda session or the meeting, maybe it was a regular meeting Monday, that there were a number of people that had signed up to talk about how we should... Uh, a ceasefire stop. in Gaza? Yeah, ceasefire yeah. cease yes. in Gaza, yeah, they were exactly. Called, yeah, yeah. Well, now um, we have word this morning uh, out of a report that came out of Washington, D.C. In a recent development, President Joe Biden is facing challenges that could potentially jeopardize his political standings, as indicated by the National Education Association, the NEA, the largest teachers union in the nation. Now, you would think that they would probably be talking about, oh, the fact that we've got to have more money for education or we've got to find some some ways to educate children better. No, 
the NEA traditionally aligned with the Democratic politicians and spending, I think we have found over the years, what, something like 90% of their money on Democratic candidates that they have donated, is now demanding explicit support from Biden for Palestinian terrorists to secure their endorsement. In other words, members of the union are urging the president to halt military funding, equipment, and intelligence to Israel, citing concerns over Israel's military actions against Gaza. No mention in here at all about Hamas's incursion into Israel in October, but just the military action against Hamas or in Gaza. The call for support from the NEA poses a significant dilemma for Biden, considering the union's substantial influence and financial contributions to the Democratic Party. Yeah, like 90% of the money they donate goes directly to the Democratic Party. Criticism has been directed at Biden for what some perceive as equivocation regarding Hamas with accusations that he has empowered terrorists on multiple levels. Despite previous expressions of support for Palestinian state, the president now finds himself under scrutiny from within his own support base. See, he can't really get ahead one way or the other on this because we're finding out that more and more um, every city council meeting, every school board meeting, every meeting of of every kind is locked up and tied up in these uh, people that show up wearing Palestinian covers uh, saying halt the war in Gaza. For example, there's a story out of Minneapolis this morning. KSTP uh, television is reporting <clears throat> that a resolution calling for a ceasefire in Gaza is heading for a full vote from the Minneapolis City Council. The council voted 9-3 <clears throat> in favor of the resolution on Tuesday during the meeting of the Committee of the Whole. Council member uh, Michael Rainfield Latasha Vetau and Lina Palamisano voted against the resolution while Emily Kosky abstained. So, again, we find city council after city council that instead of talking about what is best for the city that they represent for streets and roads and parks and things like that, they are tied up over resolutions that are popping up all over the place to halt the war in Gaza. Well, you know, I thought as long as we're going to talk about that, maybe we should talk about an interesting story that came out of the New York Times this morning that was reprinted in the Pioneer Press that was simply titled, The Meaning of Gaza's Tunnels. And I'm sure this is going to surprise a lot of you. Um, Ever since Israel withdrew its soldiers and settlers from the Gaza Strip in 2005, turning over the Gaza Strip to the Palestinians, and then, of course, Hamas coming in and taking, basically taking it over, critics have accused it of blockading and 
uh, misre- or, or you know taking over the territory, turning it as Israel's uh, critics say into an open air prison. The charge was always preposterous. Gaza shares a border with Egypt. The people of Gaza were often treated in Israeli hospitals for cancer and other life-threatening conditions. Israel provided Gaza with much of its electricity and other critical goods, even after Hamas came into power in 2005. See, it only took two years for Hamas to come in and take over power. Now, as Israel troops uncover more and more of of Gaza's vast underground cities, the uh, falsity of the accusation has become even more absurd. According to a report this month in the New York Times, Israel's defense officials now estimate that Hamas's tunnels measure between 350 and 450 miles in a territory where Gaza is only 25 miles long. By comparison, the London Underground is only 249 miles long. Some of Gaza's tunnels are wide enough for cars. Some are more than 150 feet deep. Some serve as munition depots. Others are comfortably kited out of command bunkers. Uh, Many are located under homes directly beneath houses or directly beneath Gaza City main hospitals, which use intelligence agencies say uh, was also used as Hamas by a command center. All of this should radically reconfigure the world's understanding of what Hamas has, has done to and in Gaza. It has turned the territory into one gigantic military fortress with the purpose built to attack Israel, endure Israel's retaliation, and interpose civilian lives. Imagine any other government doing something similar to its people, say putting the NORAD command center directly below Times Square for a sense of the outrage outrage Hamas is perpetuating against its own people. That's not the only outrage. How much did it cost to build these tunnels? How much concrete, steel, and electricity did it divert from civilian needs? How many millions of hours of labor were given to the effort? What was the cost of building up its stockpile of thousands of rockets, which continued to be fired at Israel? How many ordinary Gaza civilians had to be conscripted into the efforts to miserably shoveling dirt deep underground, and how many perished in the effort? In 2014, around the time Israel first started to get a sense of the scale of Hamas's tunnel network, the Wall Street Journal, citing Israel's officials, reported that the cost of building 32 tunnels— a small fraction of what has since been uncovered, came to around $90 million. <clears throat> anyway, folks, we've got, to, uh, we've got to take our Minnesota news break, and then we'll come back and wrap up the Thursday edition of the show here, the day that President Joe Biden is visiting Superior to talk about the replacement of the big bridge. Well, we can't call it the Blodnik Bridge because it'll have a new name, but that bridge. Anyway, we'll be right back. 
down upon the Swanee River, far, far away. There's where my heart in Tenebaugh, there's where the old folks stay. KDAL time is a 1.56, and that is the... Song of Florida, Brad. Today is National Florida Day. Really? Old folks home. Let's go. Yeah, old folks <laughs> at home. Uh, the Florida song there. That's uh, that's an early version of it, by the way. But yeah, National Florida Day. And uh, it's also Observe the Weather Day. And if we're looking out, it's foggy. By the way, there is a dense fog advisory for uh, areas around Duluth and uh, up to Port Wing and Two Harbors. Uh, 4 p.m. this afternoon dense fog advisory and another one brad today is nasa's day of remembrance and we've certainly lost some of our finest astronauts um, and nasa's day of remembrance is today well let's uh, uh let's uh, also, talk about an- another issue another yeah. another remembrance Let, let's not remember let's never forget uh, the fact that we all are living in wonderful, wonderful times. We really are. It's, it's, uh, you can turn on the radio. You can turn on any kind of music. You can watch any kind of movie. It's wonderful times we live in, don't you think? In fact, it's so wonderful. I like to watch the Wild at night. Now, tonight they have a game, Kenny. Can you bring us up to date yeah, Thursday. on who the Wild play and what time the radio is going to be carrying that? Yeah, WDSM 710, the game, Wild Hockey tonight on 710 a.m. Uh, against Nashville, 7 o'clock, drop of the puck. And real quickly, Brad, I'm monitoring the uh, Minnesota Department of Transportation, their cameras. They have turned off all of the cameras east of... Of Highway 53, basically, there are no cameras on. So I, the high bridge cameras are turned off, and I would imagine that some security issues, being uh, that the sure. president is here, they don't want us watching through the they cameras. They don't want anybody to see or follow where those cars are going, where they're at. I can only yep. assume that because no cameras are on up and down uh, Highway 53, uh, Central Entrance, up by the air. All those cameras are off the high bridge camera, so I can't monitor it. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, tomorrow when we get back together here on Sound Off, we'll be talking about all the day's events, what was said over in Superior, uh, what was promised, uh, and all the things that happened uh, with the president's visit. Now, this is not the first time he's been. He's been to uh, the Twin Ports a couple of times, has he not? Yeah, yeah. He's been here on occasion to binge drink, I think. I don't know what he's doing here, but uh, he's hanging out at at, uh, breweries. He's binge drinking. I think I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> anyway, we've got lots to talk about tomorrow when we come back here on six ten KDAL Radio with Sound Off from eleven to two. So uh, please join us then, and we'll. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking much more about the visit from the President of the United States into the Twin Ports to uh, give us the uh, lowdown on replacing the Blotnick Bridge, and then we probably can have the continuation of the discussion. Does it need to be replaced or does it need to be remodeled and fixed up? Anyway, have a great day, people. Talk to you tomorrow.